Who's the best? Uh, some of you are giving me Sunday school answers. You figure we're in church, and so it's got to be uh, Jesus. It's got to be. Who's the best? Uh, who is, uh, who? you know, when you think of it, it, maybe in your family or in your school or in your uh, company that you work in, in your peer group, who's the smartest? Who's the richest? Who's the biggest? Who's the smallest? Who's the best? Uh, who is the one that stands out uh, number one? I, I remember standing outside my son's kindergarten classroom, and they were lining up. They were lining up, and you, you know, when you line up and you're in kindergarten, you're learning how to line up. And, and so they're pushing and shoving. They're pushing and shoving to be first. They're, they're just shoving and pushing and uh, stop it. You know, all that stuff is going on. And, and, and they're pushing and shoving to be first. And then the teacher comes out and trying to be calm. She says, uh, there's one kid zoned out. There's always at least one kid just out of it. And he's kind of standing in the back like this, you know, hadn't had his Pop-Tart this morning. And so he's like this. And, and she says, I, I like how little Johnny's standing there so nicely at the end of the line, not pushing. And so, you know, he goes, yeah, my name. Yeah. Oh, great. She acknowledged that. And then I, I dropped the kids off the next day. And you know what they're doing, right? They're pushing and shoving to be the end of the line, hoping that the teacher is going to somehow acknowledge them as the greatest. Um, this is what we're going to talk about this morning. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. And uh, there are many passages, uh, really, we want to be marked in every way by the scriptures that we have before us. But you can put our asterisk by this one, that this, we believe, is what Jesus is doing at Bear Valley Church. This is a Bear Valley Church passage. This is something that, that we're working on. This is something that we uh, want to be mindful of because we feel like it's going to change us in who we are. And we are not here yet, but we want to be. And so this is one of those passages. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you the first four verses. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. God, do your work in us now. Equip us that we might think properly about who we are, who you are, and where we fit into your plan. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The disciples ask a question that we are all asking Probably every day. Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Who's the best? Who's number one? Who do you like the best? Who do you have? Who's got that preferential position with you? If you are uh, 
taking notes this morning, uh, we have four points. A question, a visual, his teaching, and an answer. First, the question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The disciples are, uh, this comes right after uh, the, the previous section in chapter 17. And if you look in chapter 17, you realize that Peter is highlighted. Peter's having conversation with Jesus about the plan. And then you have the transfiguration. You have Peter in the midst of this being, and and you're not sure exactly all the conversation that went uh, in between here that brought them to the place where they came to Jesus, but undoubtedly they were talking about who's the greatest. Uh, when you talk to a, a student about their classroom and you say, uh, this is the way we always said it in our household, I, I say this to my kids, besides yourself, besides yourself, who's the smartest one in your class? It takes the pressure off, right? Uh, who's the smartest in your class? And you know what? They always knew. They always knew. They, they, they say, who's the fastest in your class? Well, it's so-and-so. Who, who's the one who's the tallest? Who, who's the one who stands out in some way? And as the disciples, grown men, by the way, this isn't third grade, right? Sometimes we act like third graders, even when we're grown men. But uh, they're gathering around, and they're... Uh, wondering who's the greatest. And, and you may, may say, why? Well, Peter and the other two disciples, as they went up to the transfiguration, they saw Jesus changed. They heard the voice of the Father speaking of the Son, and they had the visitor of Moses and Elijah. That's a big deal. And they realized that Jesus' kingdom is coming. They'd heard of his kingdom. They'd heard of him being the king. And so in their minds... They're thinking, well, where are we going to fit? If his kingdom is coming, it's right around the corner. And who's going to get to be the right-hand man? Who's going to have position? And I want to tell you, um, we think about this all the time. Bear Valley Church thinks about being great all the time. And I say that as individuals and sometimes even as a whole, we, we portray ourselves, we think of ourselves as greater than others. And that we should somehow get position because of our education, because of our upbringing, because of our, our situation or our finances. We think of ourselves as that we should be chosen. We should be special. And so you see, it might have even been Peter. We don't say the disciples come forth to Jesus and say, who is the greatest? Now, I want to bring out a subtle point here. I, so if Jesus would have replied like some of you replied when I asked the same question, what would he have said? I am. Why are you even asking the question? Did, have you not walked with me? Have you not seen my miracles? But Jesus knew that they weren't asking. It was, it was Jesus is in a whole different category, right? Among my peers, among people down here, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest at Bear Valley Church? I would say it's the senior pastor is the greatest. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, okay? Uh, I, you know, some of you say, well, you know, who has been there longest? Marshall and Sally, right? <laughs> you know, 
They've been here forever, literally forever. Uh, uh, sorry, Marshall. I just, uh, you could say, who, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Who gets their way? Who gets position and power and recognition? This is what these men were. And, and I think they were expecting that Jesus would say, well, Peter is. Peter is. Whether he was, it was all of them saying, uh, you know, who's going to be the greatest? And Peter says, well, I am. Look at the stats here. <laughs> Look at what's going on. I, I'm at the first and foremost. I'm the one, even this tax deal the, at the end of chapter 17. He didn't say at the end of chapter 17. But he said, we just got done with this deal in my hometown. And they came to me knowing that I was in charge of this group here. So I, I have to be the greatest. And so there's a question. Who is the greatest? And I think uh, that they're expecting uh, Jesus, not to say myself, they knew, they knew that, they knew that he was the greatest, but that they were possibly going to, everyone say, well, listening for Jesus to say Peter, and then they would say, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, we, we know that. Where do we fit in line? Where do we, where's the pecking order? Where's our rank? Uh, who, who gets to be second in the kingdom next to you, Jesus? Um. And so uh, Jesus, they asked a question, and Jesus brings a visual. Verse 2, verse 2. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them. Uh, I took my little nephew here. Uh, he looked really cute, didn't he? He was all cleaned up and everything. He didn't want to wear uh, shoes or pants today. He was pretty frustrated before coming to church. And last night, he didn't get his ice cream when he wanted to, okay? And so he kind of flipped out over that, too. Uh, I, I brought that visual not to portray myself as Jesus, but um, th this is a visual like that. This is a visual like that. Um, it's more purposeful than you think. Uh, even if we don't even talk about the Lord, just to have, have us all remember children is important for Bear Valley Church. Um, many of us have worked in environments where children are not allowed. You know why? We've got stuff to do. Important stuff, and we're important people. And all these little ki kids make me crazy sometimes. The kids make you crazy? You can say it. You, you know what the passage, yeah, let's be honest here, okay? Keeping it real here at Bear Valley Church. Kids make me crazy because they don't, they, don't, they don't do what you want them to do. Uh, they've got questions that need answers. They've got feelings that they need to express. They've got legs that don't want to uh, walk and tell the good news of Jesus. They want to run and create havoc, uh, for all those around to wreck things. Have any of your kids ever wrecked something in your house? And you say, yes, my house. They just wrecked it, the whole thing. Uh, uh, they were non you know, ransacked. It's like a bear when he gets inside. He just takes everything and does what he wants. This is what Jesus brought before his disciples. And if you could picture this, maybe for you right now, you can imagine us having an elder meeting at Bear Valley Church. And all the important people of Bear Valley Church are there. I mean, like, 
you know, the, the elders, you know, the pastors, elders were there. And we're standing in a circle and we're, we're, we're sitting around in a table. <clears throat> and then you, you take one of the small children from Bear Valley Church and you just set them in the middle. It's out of place. Which one of these does not belong here, right? It's the child. It's the child. And, and chances are, if you put a child in the midst of elders, you know what the child's going to do? Start crying. We're not the most, uh, you know, best looking group you could ever get together. And we're tall, we're men, and it's just, you know, it just doesn't seem, and a child would feel uncomfortable. And, and Jesus brings a visual. They're talking about greatness. They want to know who's the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus takes a, he, he finds a child and he says, he brings it into the midst of the disciples in the midst of their discussion. Here he is. Here's a child. Maybe the child's crying. Maybe uh, chances are the child is dirty. Uh, it might be whining. Uh, and he says, I bring a visual to you. Picture's worth a thousand wor words. And so he brings the child to explain to them where we need to go in this conversation. <clears throat> I love the idea of in the midst. He, he's not just saying, hey, look at that child over there, but he brings him right in the middle of them. They're doing important things. They're having important conversations. They're even having a, a conversation of, Jesus, who's going to be part of the cabinet? Who, who, what position am I going to get? This is big stuff. We've understood your kingdom. Not really, but they, they'd heard stuff about his kingdom. They understood parts of it. And so they said, hey, this is exciting stuff. This is big. We need to do some planning here. Who's going to be second in command? Where's everyone going to fall? And Jesus says, good question. Bring me the child. Put it in the midst. You could see the, you could wonder of the perplexed look on the disciples' faces where they're going, what's, his, what's Jesus doing? I know Jesus does this to us all the time. We ask a question and he talks about something else and asks more questions. And, and this is just what Jesus does. But what's he doing this time? He brings a child. We're doing man work. <clears throat> We're strategizing. And why did he bring this child in here? Get the child out of here. We're busy. Jesus brings a child into the midst of what they're doing. He brings a small, insignificant child. And they were probably thinking, get that kid out of here. This isn't making sense to us. We go from the question to his visual, now to his teaching. Verse 3, he says, he's going to explain this, this whole picture, this visual of the child. And, and he says this, and Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, truly I say to you, and that was one of Jesus' ways to say, hey, I, I, I want you to remember this. Perk up, listen, obey. <laughs> truly I say to you. And so they, they hear that and they go, okay, he's going to answer it. He's going to explain it. Well, what does he say? He says, you need to turn. You need to turn. You need to change. Unless you turn and become, th this idea of 
This is your life now. You're going in this direction. You need to change. You need to turn from this way of life and become something different than you are. And you say, whoa, uh, I hate change. I hate change. So did the disciples. They thought there was this progression of greatness that was happening in them because they got to be with Jesus. And Jesus says, let me explain to you about greatness and how all this works. I have a child. This is your visual. And, and, and as you see this child, you're, you're perplexed. You're wondering what they have for you. And Jesus says, you need to turn and become. Turn and become. You need to go away from this picture that you're an adult and you have it all together and be like a child. Be like a child. When you think of children, uh, a lot of times we do think of them wrecking the place. We do uh, see children uh, that very quickly should say, me first, me first. I, I want to be the best. I am the best. I'm the best on the soccer. I, and they're looking for this. They're proud. They're selfish. They're, they're ones who are willing to be reckless with everything in life. I don't believe that this is what Jesus was getting at when they, he was speaking of children, but he was speaking of them in their, their need for someone to trust need for someone to be dependent. They cannot do it themselves. And they're looking uh, really for mom and dad. They're looking for the comfort of mom and dad. And, and this child, they trust their mom and dad. Have you ever lied to your kids? Even jokingly, you know, you, you explain something and you, you joked with them about something and then your kids, like they go tell that to somebody else. Hey, you know what? My mom saw this cow jump over the moon one time. And it can happen because my mom said so. There's a, a willingness to trust and a need to be dependent. And Jesus brings this dependent, one that will trust, one will not, not have to have it all together, will not think of themselves as being mature. It's interesting. Kids get this where, uh, you, you, I always think it's funny, uh, They'll, they'll talk about at schools and stuff, you know, kids are in first, second grade, and they'll say, uh, uh, we're going to celebrate responsibility this week. And the kids are like, my kid, I'm in first grade. I'm not even sure my shoes are on the right feet, you know? Uh, I, I, like, what do you want out of me, right? You know, I'm a kid. Uh, you should have your act together. We, we, we sometimes look at children and they, they start acting out and everything. And we're like, you're acting so immature right now. And they're like, I'm a kid. What do you want from me? I am immature. I don't have it together. And Jesus pictures this and he chooses to bring a child. He could have done this a number of different ways. But he chooses a child. And I want to tell you, some people wonder, what's so great about kids? Uh, world's a messed up place. Why even have kids? Why? It just doesn't make sense. I want to tell you, uh, 
because Jesus wants to teach you things about life through kids. And so you should have some of your own. You should put them around your house. You should bring the neighbor brats over too. And like God's going to want to refine you and change you and teach you by your kids. You should have your grandkids over and they will wreck the place, okay? But this is part of what God wants to do in your life. And the disciples, they're like, no kids here. And Jesus, oh yes, kids here. And uh, let me teach you something about life. This is what uh, God chooses. He takes those who are needing someone to trust and needing someone to be dependent in. And then in the midst of them, them, he says, this is your example. It's interesting to me that Jesus doesn't answer in this passage, this verse 3, he doesn't answer their question. Look at it. He, He pivots. He pivots to something more important. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And he, Jesus backs up and says, let's talk about how you get into the kingdom. You, you know, be careful that you uh, are, are skipping a question. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? Forget about who's greatest in the kingdom. Let's make sure you have entrance into the kingdom. This morning, I want you to think about that. If you're thinking that this morning as you come, uh, why Jesus would have you into his family, why he would have you into his kingdom, if you think it's because you're great, it's because you're mature, it's because you've uh, read the Bible this many times, because you know so much, because you've given so much, because we let you have a position here in his church and that you've served a long time in that position, It's all for nothing because Jesus says, it's not about being great to enter my kingdom. It's about being childlike to enter my kingdom. Get that this morning. I would hate it if you come week after week and you think it's about being great. And if you're great enough, you can have a position in his kingdom, that you can have entrance into his kingdom. And it's not true. Jesus made it clear. He said this, if you are to enter in, if you are to have a place in my kingdom, any place at all, you'll turn and become like children. It's that you would uh, abandon your, um, your thoughts of being an adult, having it all together. And you'd be that child who doesn't have it all together, who needs his mom and dad, who has this need for someone to trust in and be dependent upon. That's you, that's me. And this is how we enter into his kingdom. We trust and depend on him. I want to point out one subtle point here. Um, You may have uh, overlooked it. it. It's not just hitting the restart button, the reset button. I'm a child. I'm a child. I grew up to be a man. I realized that I've done it the wrong way. Hit the reset button, be born again, and then I can start this process again. I want to tell you that your position of abandoning this adult, I can do it on my own. I can do it on my own. Abandoning that and becoming childlike, that is a permanent position for you. We are always children of God. We are not adults. We are not peers to Jesus Christ. There's a sense of family. We're brother 
sister to him, like, like we have that, but I want to tell you, we are always children, always if you reach to be a hundred and you've studied and you've grown, I want to say you're still a child in relationship with Jesus Christ. Think about that. I, I, some of us want to give the appearance that we have it all together. And I want to tell you, the, the only thing that you should be working on is being childlike. Being dependent and trusting in Jesus. Permanent position. And then in verse 4, he answers the original question. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. If you look around Bear Valley Church and you say, who's the greatest here? Uh, look in these classrooms. Look in these classrooms. And people that look like these people, not just in appearance, but how they trust. And they're, they're willing to need and show their dependence uh, these are the ones. And so Jesus puts before him humility, before them humility. And he says, the one who is humble, the one who is humble is the one who's greatest in the kingdom. Three things, three summary points this morning uh, for us here at Bear Valley Church. The first one is this, love kids. Love kids. They're God's blessing to us. I know they're annoying. I know they're whiny. I know they wreck things. I know they're dirty and uh, just a lot of other things we could talk about. But they're God's picture to us of what we need to be. Love kids. Second uh, summary point this morning, embrace the gospel of kid-like dependence. <laughs> embrace the gospel of kid-like dependence. This is not, this is not about you being great in your own eyes or in the eyes of this world but it's you embracing your need for Jesus and your constant need and your eternal need that you need him. I know it's embarrassing to say that, that you don't got it going on. I, I know it's embarrassing when it comes up over and over again. And, and you see in your life, and the older you get, the more embarrassing it is, right? When you can't get things going and you say, I thought I would have been over this by now. And yet that's a pointer to say that we're a child, we're a child, and we need, we're in need. And so we embrace the gospel that says we are forever in need, as a child is of their parents, we are forever in need of Jesus. That's the gospel. And then lastly, the greatest kid is the greatest. The greatest kid is the, the greatest. It's the one who's willing to say, I don't know how that works. I don't know. God's got it taken care of. It's part of his plan. Well, aren't you going to get worried with us? Why would I get worried? My father's got it taken care of. I, I don't, how's he going to do it? I don't know. He could do it any way he wants to. But to remind yourself that the greatest kid is the greatest. The one who is humble. The one who embraces uh, that which... Uh, that which Jesus used before his disciples. The greatest kid is the greatest. This is what Jesus taught. I realize it's different. It's different than our world uh, believes. Uh, but who's right, our world or Jesus? Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. God, I would have loved to have been there that day. When the disciples and I would have been with them, trying to jockey for position, 
trying to portray myself as better than I am. And so, Jesus, uh, you brought that child, and I would have loved to have seen how you worked that in, and the child's face, and how the rest of the proud disciples, as I am, would have said, I don't get it, until you explained it, and shown that entrance into the kingdom comes with a childlike faith, and that greatness comes through a childlike humility. You gotta do your work in your church. Uh, we realize that we are, are a church filled with uh, people that feel like they've done it on their own. Remind us that we have not. God, protect us from seeking greatness instead of seeking humility. And by no means, Lord, would you allow us to be self-deceived in thinking that our greatness will cause you to have a place for us in your kingdom, but rather a childlike dependence on you. And God, thank you for this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd ask that the uh, men who are going to help serve communion would come and make ready the table um, as we remember the Lord. This time, Jesus called on us to remember Him, to remember what uh, He did and did for us. And as we consider this this morning, uh, how does this fit with our message? It reminds us of our need. It reminds us of our need, our childlike need for Him. I encourage you as we uh, pass uh, the bread and then the cup that you would consider the Lord, consider what He has done on your behalf, uh, consider where you stand with Him, that you do not stand on your own, but you stand uh, in the grace of the gospel because of what Jesus did on the cross we can rejoice, we can remember uh, with a, a sense of celebration and a sense of joy, knowing that our sins are forgiven in Him. Please hold the elements. If you're not a believer here today, I'd encourage you to just use this time to consider where you stand with Him. We're thankful that you're here today. We are going to celebrate the Lord's table, celebrate what He has done.
as Jesus gathered with his disciples, uh, they shared a meal, and at that meal, he, after giving thanks, he broke bread, and he explained to them that this was his body broken for them. And he called on them to do this in remembrance of him till he returned. We do this remembering the body of our Lord broken on our behalf. Um, as the cup is being passed, we're going to sing a song together. Let's sing together the mystery of the cross. The mystery of the cross I cannot comprehend. The agonies of Calvary. You, the perfect Holy One, Crushed your son who drank the bitter cup reserved for me. Your blood, your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy. Now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. And we sit at his table together this morning as we are celebrating these elements. By your perfect sacrifice. By your perfect sacrifice, I've been brought near. Your enemy you've made friend pouring out the riches of your glorious grace your mercy and your kindness know no end your blood has washed away my sin Jesus thank you the Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. One more time. Your blood. Your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. Jesus also uh, took the cup.
And he explained that this was the blood of the new covenant he was making with them. They would go on to see his blood spilled on their behalf. And we look back to the day we're on the cross that his blood was spilled so that our sins could be forgiven. We do this this morning, remembering the blood of our Lord. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for the gift of your Son. I thank you, Jesus, for your obedience to the cross. That even as we have sung, that once your enemies now seated at your table, what an amazing picture, what an amazing distance to come from going to be an enemy to being your child, your family. Lord, we thank you for what was done for us on the cross. Uh, may we live in light of that to this week. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As you leave today, uh, we take an offering for those who are needy in our, our midst. We thank you for being here today. God bless you in your week. You are dismissed.